0: I want you to hit me as hard as you can. KFBR392. If that specific combination of letters and numbers has any meaning to you, it's quite possible you're a fan of the 2010 R rated comedy, McGruber. How did Will Forte's throat ripping dimwit go from popular Saturday Night Live skits to a box office bomb, and then gain a big enough cult following to prompt his return in a streaming series? put some gas in the Miata and find out what the fuck happened to this movie. <laughs> McGruber himself, Will Forte, had worked on his comedic chops with the Los Angeles improv group The Groundlings before writing for TV series like That 70s Show, Third Rock from the Sun, and the underappreciated and short-lived Hollywood producer comedy Action. During that time, he continued performing with the Groundlings and landed on the radar of longtime Saturday Night Live producer Lorne Michaels. Forte auditioned for the New York based show and actually got the gig, but he declined, instead, deciding to remain in California writing. Obviously, he eventually changed his mind and joined the SNL staff in 2002. Although he struggled a bit with performances and wrestled with his obsessive compulsive disorder when writing sketches, over the next eight years alongside regulars like Andy Samberg, Bill Hader, and Amy Poehler, Forte would establish memorable cringe characters such as The Falconer, ESPN commentator Greg Stink, and creepy politician Tim Calhoun. One character that Forte was not initially keen on was McGruber. SNL writer and Lonely Island co-founder Yorma Takoni had pitched Forte on the idea, which he described as MacGyver's less competent stepbrother. Forte groaned at the concept and rejected it, but Takoni was persistent and Forte ultimately relented. Thanks for watching Joe Blow videos. If you enjoy our shows please like and subscribe and click the bell to be notified when new videos go live. Now back to the show. The first round of McGruber skits directed by Tacconi, premiered in 2007 and featured Forte's mulleted, vest-wearing special agent trying to defuse a bomb with everyday objects, along with unconventional and increasingly disgusting items like dog turds and pubic hair. Needless to say, McGruber fails and the bomb detonates, which would become the running joke. Forte assumed that would be the last of the inept operative, but audiences and Lorne Michaels wanted his return. Magruber would make eight more SNL appearances over the next couple of years, plus a trio of Super Bowl commercials for Pepsi that guest starred original MacGyver himself, Richard Dean Anderson. For some reason, only the second episode was aired during the game. Forte later speculated it was because of the three segments, that one featured Pepsi the most. Still, the Super Bowl spot got plenty of attention and positive reaction, and Michaels then suggested giving McGruber the big screen treatment. Historically, spin-off movies based on SNL characters were hit or miss, to put it mildly, and it had been a decade since the ladies' man flopped at the box office. The main challenge for a feature was that Forte and Taccone, along with fellow SNL writer and McGruber collaborator John Solomon, had no idea how to elaborate on the character's brief adventures. As Taconi said, it's just a guy who explodes. For inspiration, they turned to their shared appreciation for the exaggerated carnage and sweaty machismo of 80s movies like Commando, Uncommon Valor, and Rambo, with a special nod to Patrick Swayze's throat-ripping classic Roadhouse. That style of self-serious action flick became fertile ground for satire, and the trio quickly found themselves with a raunchy and massive 175-page script. For time and budget constraints, lengthy and complicated action sequences were carved out and the script was slimmed down significantly. Relativity Media would finance the movie for a meager $10 million, which, aside from 1994's androgynous dud, It's Pat, was the smallest budget of any SNL feature to date. The comparatively minimal risk meant that the filmmakers would have very limited oversight, allowing them to get weird. When it came time for casting, Forte's Magruber’s sketch co-stars were obvious choices. Maya Rudolph would play the spirit of Magruber's deceased wife, Casey, with Kristen Wiig as Vicky St. Elmo, his intrepid teammate and love interest. To try and offset the comedy stars, the team sought more respected dramatic actors for the remaining major roles. For the part of ambitious soldier Dixon Piper, the movie's straight man, they approached Ryan Phillippe, who at the time was mainly known for serious movies like Cruel Intentions and Crash. Philippi's own representation didn't even think he'd be interested, but the actor, who calls himself an SNL nerd, was thrilled at the chance to go against type. To play Dieter Von Kunth, the dastardly villain who obliterated McGruber's wife during their wedding ceremony, the filmmakers went to Val Kilmer, Although he hadn't starred in a comedy since his early career, Kilmer apparently killed it at the table read, which also was actually the first time he had even looked at the script. At that same table read, the role of McGruber's superior Colonel Jim Faith was played by Ray Liotta, who curiously performed the character with a New York gangster accent. Taconi, who was just making his feature directing debut, didn't feel comfortable giving the veteran actor direction and instead ended up going to Kilmer's Tombstone co-star Powers Booth to play the unflappable military commander. Other minor parts were filled out by pro wrestlers like Chris Jericho, Kane, and The Great Khali as a crack team of allies with similarly unlikely names who meet a swift and fiery end thanks to Magruber’s unstable homemade explosives. Coincidentally, the same exact thing happened to Kuntz. No, no, wait, that didn't happen to me because I'm not a fucking retard who blows up his own dudes. After only a few weeks of prep time, shooting began in August 2009 in New Mexico. For guidance on how to stretch his budget, Taconi had referenced commentary tracks on DVDs of Robert Rodriguez movies. It must have provided valuable insight as Taconi later claimed the entire cost for the movie's visual effects was less than 200 grand. Tocconi and cinematographer Brandon Trost were intent on making glossy action cinema like Die Hard, but on a fraction of the budget. Tocconi calls Magruber a sleight-of-hand action movie and that it doesn't really contain much action. Forte admitted that having financial limitations led to silly gags like water dunking the bad guys instead of a protracted shootout scene. Classic Magruber uninhibited by network TV standards and practices, the filmmakers could get as filthy as an R rating would allow, making for some wonderful awkwardness, like MacGruber's unorthodox way of asking to keep his job. I will suck your fucking dick. Powers Booth wasn't quite certain how he should react to this request, so Taconi instructed him to play it like Leslie Nielsen in Airplane, but even more serious. I am serious, and don't call me sure other notably uncomfortable moments came in the form of love scenes. McGruber's enthusiastic sex with Vicky was shot in the middle of a scorching Albuquerque summer, and Forte's cascade of sweat was very real. Known for his meticulous attention to scripting detail, Forte also actually predetermined the precise number of passionate grunts. Kristen Wiig, who celebrated her birthday being fake humped by her SNL colleague, had to keep turning away from the camera because she couldn't stop laughing. She also later said that Forte spent the next several days apologizing to her. By contrast, magrubers guilt-ridden and equally unpleasant graveyard intimacy with the ghost of his dead wife was shot on a cold night, and Maya Rudolph was nearly eight months pregnant at the time, so a stunt double had to stand in for the more energetic activity, at least for the shots when Forte wasn't just hammering at air. Another infamous Magruber moment came with his unusual vegetable distraction. The original plan was to use a carrot as a nod to MacGyver, but it was changed to Celery instead, since the production was already experiencing some legal contention with the original show's creator. Shooting the scene also happened to take place on the same day that Forte's mother visited the set with two friends, which feels appropriately awkward for the bumbling hero. When it came time for Piper to replicate the diversionary tactic, Ryan Philippi bravely performed the Celery stunt but he admits that everyone doubted he would actually go through with it because he was perceived as a serious actor. But Philippi admired the fearless commitment of his comedy co-stars, later saying, I may not have done this stuff my whole career, but if Will's gonna do that, I'm gonna do it. Judging by the final product, all of the cast members were clearly game for pretty much anything, although there was a bridge too far for Val Kilmer. In the movie, Magruber continually and overconfidently makes promises to his nemesis regarding the vivid fate of his genitals. Cannot wait to cut off your dick and shove it in your mouth. Taconi repeatedly tried to convince Kilmer to let him actually film it in what he described as beautifully shot in silhouette. But while the actor was amused by the idea, he ultimately refused. It was essentially the only compromise of the production. Filming on Magruber wrapped in a brisk 28 days, although they did briefly reconvene to shoot the flaming payoff to Magruber’s vindictive obsession with KFBR 392, a scene that was originally intended to have Richard Dean Anderson as the vehicle's owner. Test screenings for the movie were promisingly positive, and a premiere at the South by Southwest Film Festival received an uproarious response. In the weeks before the movie was scheduled to open, Forte went on a promotional tour in character, even hosting WWE Raw. McGruber seemed to be developing solid buzz. It's time to go pound some cunts. Universal released Magruber on May 21st, 2010, and it bombed like any of the devices McGruber failed to disarm, earning only $4 million for its opening weekend. Critics were divided, while audiences were generally baffled. Just two weeks later, the movie had completely disappeared from theatres, with a domestic total of 8.5 million. The previous summers had R-rated breakout comedies, but Magruber would not be counted among them. Still, the creators and cast have no regrets as the demented homage to 80s action was exactly the movie they set out to make. And despite its abysmal box office, it turned out they weren't the only ones who loved MacGruber. Over the course of the decade that followed, Forte's delusional, soft-rock-loving imbecile built a cult following, one that even includes filmmakers like Edgar Wright and Christopher Nolan. As that fan base slowly but surely continued to grow, the creators often discussed trying to make a sequel however they could, even contemplating a Kickstarter. That plan ultimately evolved into a long-form series and in January 2020 it was announced that Forte's incompetent narcissist would return for a series on NBC's Peacock streaming service, where the primary cast will be joined by Sam Elliott, Lawrence Fishburne, and Billy Zane as a villain named Enos Queef. It's been a long and winding road for Will Forte's blustery buffoon and his hilariously violent and underappreciated adventure his survival and resilience is ironic for a character who originally could barely last 60 seconds before blowing himself to smithereens. But hey, that's classic MacGruber. Let us know your thoughts, leave a comment in the comments, and thanks for watching.